everybody we are back with another week of the walkout podcast and of course you know had to take a week off for opening series but five and one cross with the with the go-ahead homer the other day i snuck out a w so the, the the boys are off to a hot start the boys are hot man we're playing great baseball we're having fun um it's great you know to be able to go out there and play baseball again in front of fans um, and we get to play a minute mate once again in front of our home crowd, man. I, I'm, I'm so excited for tomorrow. Yeah, man, we, we, we are back home, fans in the stands so far. You know, the first road trip, heard, heard, a, heard a little bit of booing, but uh, n- n- nothing the boys couldn't handle, nothing the boys couldn't handle. Good feel for the gasoline that we bring, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is for the fire we bring. It's some, some good feel out there. Yeah, it was good. So, hey, we have a packed show for you guys today. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get to it if, if, if my boy Carlos is. I'm ready, bro. Let's jump in. All right, here we go. A number one, of course, the Mystic Mac, Poirier 3, finally official, coming at you right now. All right, guys, inning number one, and we're starting off with the fire. Connor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, three. It is official. Both men have signed the paperwork July 10th. And, you know, man, I'm just happy. I'm just happy for Dustin. My man's getting paid. I'm happy for Connor. Still, you know, in a conversation of winning this fight and and being right back up there. So I, I think it does great things for the UFC. Continues to build Dustin's Poirier, um, his resume and, and, his, and, you know, his ability to sell to the fans, but also still gives Connor a chance to be back in that title contention conversation. Absolutely. I love the fact that, that Dustin Poirier, said no to the Michael Chandler fight uh, or Charles Oliveira fight, whatever the title fight was going to be in order for him to make, to make that red panty money. You know, he's going to go out there and fight Conor McGregor. He's going to get paid more and he's going to fight an opponent that he thinks he can actually go out there and beat. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not saying that he can't beat Charles Oliveira, but I feel like Charles Oliveira have way more weapons than Conor McGregor and can beat you in so many different ways. So for me, that's a little tougher matchup for Dustin Poirier. So he's taking the lower risk, higher uh, paid uh, fight. And that's just a smart thing to do. It's a business at the end of the day. He already held a piece of that lightweight championship. Um, so, you know, right now he's just looking for the money with the hot sauce and in the UFC. Ooh, what I, what I, what I think about when I think about this for Dustin is yes, he makes more money. Yes. It's also not for a title, but this is comfortable for Dustin. This is in his comfort zone. He feels like, to your point, he feels like I can handle this man. I know mm-hmm. what to expect. With Charles Oliveira, even Michael Chandler, there's not enough data on Michael Chandler inside the UFC. We saw him for 30 seconds you know, uh, uh, against Hooker. Um, Oliveira, you, you mentioned his ability to, to finish guys um, on the mat and his improving stand-up game. So... Could Dustin Poirier beat Charles Oliveira? Absolutely. Could he beat Michael Chandler for, for a title? Absolutely. But he knows what he's getting in Connor. He knows what type of fight he's in for. And he, I truly believe he thinks he knows that this is going to be a better version of Connor that he just fought. But I don't think it matters, brother. I think Dustin is getting so much better in every fight. I think he's in his prime. I think Connor may be past that time in his life where he's fighting the best, the best that we're going to see. I think we've seen that from him, which is okay. I just think Dustin said, I'm going to go with what I'm familiar with, what's going to get me my money. And I believe I'm going to beat this man. There's nothing he can do that I haven't seen, that I haven't felt. 
and then I'll go get my title shot. He's doubling up. He's double dipping. And, and I love it. I love it for Dustin, but I also like it for Connor because in that first fight, I know he get, I know he got finished. It was the first time in his career. Everyone hounded in on that. Connor won that first round. Was he breathing heavy? I think so. The mouth was starting to open up. He hadn't gotten a lot of octagon time in quite in, you know, quite a while. But Connor has the ability to make the adjustments, maybe switch the stances up a little bit and make it a little more competitive. Because after that first round, the second round, it, it was it went downhill and it went downhill quick. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said. Um, you know, when we talk about Connor McGregor making adjustments, we talk about Connor McGregor making striking adjustments. When you fire guys like Charles Oliveira or Michael Chandler. Those adjustments could mean more wrestling. Those adjustments could be changing levels more often. Those adjustments could be, let's work on the clinch. But when you talk about Conor McGregor, you know the adjustments are going to be check the leg kicks and not have a boxing type of mentality when you go there. So Dustin Poirier is not even worried about the takedown defense. He's not worried about Conor's BJJ. He's not worried about anything, about getting taken down. Because you know Conor has one way, and that's striking. He wants to sleep people. So when you go out there, you're Dustin Poirier, you know he might check the leg kick. You know he might throw a little more kicks out there. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a striking match. So you still have the advantage of the grappling department and the BJ department. And the cardio. you a huge, huge chance to win that fight, in my opinion, especially what you just mentioned, the cardio. So Connor can make all the adjustments he wants, but I think that the more well-rounded fighter in this fight keeps being Dustin Poirier. Now, we saw that Dustin Poirier can take that left hand on the chin clean because he took it clean on that first round against uh, Conor. And if he can take that power shot, I just don't see Conor McGregor sleeping because a lot of people were counting on just Conor to land that left hand and put that dude to sleep once again. But now that we saw that that's not happening, it's a different story. Yeah, well, he also landed a clean clean shot in the second round and Dustin doesn't took it. I mean, Dustin did get wobbled a little bit. I think in both rounds, there was a small period of time. I'm talking a couple, uh, a second or two where Dustin may have been a little bit, you know, you know, off his a game. He was, he was a little wobbled, but what we saw from Connor in that last fight was a complete inability to take advantage of those moments. Connor needs to fall out of love with that left hand. He needs to fall out of love with the with the Aldo highlight that we saw. We need to get an Eddie Alvarez type performance. What I mean by that is, um, yeah, the stop we fin the fight could get stopped. It could get finished, but it's gonna it's gonna be finished over an overwhelming amount of of shots over a, a round and a half, like, like the Eddie was Connor can't be going in there thinking he's this Francis, Francis type of power. Connor's always had great precision. He's always had great timing. I don't think he's always had the best power. I don't think he's always been the fastest guy around. I think Connor knows how to, how to blend things together and he reads his opponent. Well, so if Connor's going to have a shot, um, in this fight, it's going to have to be an Eddie Alvarez type of uh, game plan. I don't, you can't say performance because they're different fighters. Dustin is, is so far ahead. What I mean by that is just the 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 idea he went in, the mentality of I'm not gonna. It's not going to be a a 30 second burst or a one shot punch and it's done. It's going to be um, over time. I'm going to have to really wear this man down until until it's over. And he said the fight is booked. This is Connor. The fight is booked. July 10th. You're going to see what the Mac is about. Adjust and ability to fucking destroy. Um, so we'll see. I think this is Connor's last hope at the 155 division. I don't think he has a chance at 170. So this is Connor's really last hope to get to what he says he aspires, which is the belt. 
If you lose this fight, if you're Connor, you're going to finish your contract because you're getting paid too much money, but you're talking Nate Diaz type of fights. You're talking maybe a, a catch weight or a, a 150 fight bout against a Max Holloway just for the, just for the OG fans that, that, that's all, you know, those fights go down. Yeah, and another thing we need to take into consideration, when you look back at Conor McGregor's fights, Dustin Poirier is the one guy that has that knockout power. That knockout power that with one punch, you can go to sleep. When you go back to when he won the championship, you know, he fought um, Jose Aldo, he fought Chad Mendes, then he fought Eddie Alvarez, then he fought Nate Diaz, and then he fought all these guys. None of these guys, you see highlights of them putting people to sleep with one punch. You've seen Dustin Poirier do this to multiple opponents. You've seen Dustin Poirier put Conor McGregor to sleep already. So this is the one guy that can actually grapple better than you, that can actually strike as good as you, and has as much power as you do. And this is the first time Conor McGregor has been fighting a guy like that because even when he fought Habib, Habib was just a better grappler. He was not the better striker. And he was not nowhere near Conor McGregor's um, striking, um, you know, technique and, and game when you talk about Nate Diaz Nate Diaz is nowhere near Conor McGregor when it comes to the striking department just the cardio you know uh, mistake by Conor taking that fight but when you talk about Dustin Poirier better grappler better BJJ and striking is great it's Christmas Conor he's got better cardio and he's got the power also to knock people out so I gotta tell what you what you're saying I, is there's no I chance for Dustin Poirier yeah and I don't see Conor beating this guy this time around yeah. Well, I think we have a lot to consider over, over the, over time. Uh, July 10th is the, uh, is the bout. So we'll be doing, you know, more breakdowns on this. We'll have to go back and watch the films. Um, you're waiting for that Dana White video saying Connor is more <laughs> motivated than ever. <laughs> no, no, I'm honestly, I want to see, I want to see where Connor's going to train. I want to see where Connor's going to train and who he's going to train with. If you're going to make adjustments, um, from, you know, January to July, you have to make an adjustment with, with, with who you're training and how you're training and where you're training at. He mentioned something about never, you know, he's going to do an eight week camp possibly with a two week lead up and no days off this, you know, this type of grinder mentality for this fight. But I want to see who he's going to train with Are you going to travel around? Are you, are you going to try to pick guys brains of really talented um, strikers, maybe guys who can help you with that cardio instead of just doing the McGregor fast program. If he's going to be doing the same old thing he's been doing, you know, that's just, that's just insanity and, and he's not going to win this fight. So we'll have to see, we'll have to wait and see. So my, my prediction will be based off of what I'm seeing from Connor leading up uh, to this bout. I like it. All right, guys, the number two coming up. We're talking the new heavyweight king of the UFC and maybe the world, Francis Ngannou. Welcome into A number two, guys. And Francis Ngannou is our heavyweight king. He reigns supreme. Finally, it seemed like this man was was destined. You guys, uh, if you watch the fights, if you if you know anything about Francis Ngannou, um, within a ten or eleven year span, he went from trying to flee um, Africa to ending up in Europe, and and and, and as a twenty six year old kid, twenty five to six year old kid, learning had a fight and now he is world champion inside the UFC. And arguably you had the Furies, you have your Anthony Joshua's probably the most right now polarizing heavyweight figure in all of combat and fighting sports. I got to agree with that. You know, when you, when you look at Francis Ngannou, you look at the perfect heavyweight, you look at the Mike Tyson of the modern era of MMA. Um, this, this is scary. You know, this is one of the guys that, you know, you don't want to fight. 
I don't want to fight Francis. You don't want to fight. Nobody wants to fight Francis. And that's the it factor, man. When you're a heavyweight king, you get you got to strike fear on everybody in the world. You got to be the baddest dude on the planet, literally. And Francis is that guy. He showed it against Stipe. Stipe was a great champion. He was a great, great fighter. But it was it was time for 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 a change. It was time for Francis to take over the heavyweight division and hopefully defend that title at least five six times in an impressive fashion like he did against Stipe. Man, he 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 made easy easy work of Stipe. And yeah, I I I think that you know a guy like John Jones might have a chance because. You know he's gonna stand, um, you know, move around until Francis actually gasses because I saw I saw flashes out there of mouth getting open after minute three of the first round and Kamaru was yelling at him, take it easy, take it easy, and he just stood in front of the of the octagon for three minutes in the first round. We all saw that, and then he was able to finish deep inside one minute of the second round. That's great, but if you don't get past that first round, which is really hard to do against a guy like him. Ain't nobody going to have a chance. So I'm really excited for this new era of the heavyweight division. I'm excited, too, because we saw a well-rounded version of um, Francis Ngannou. We saw someone who, as you you mentioned, when you're talking about Dustin Poirier, you're starting to list off these attributes that he has as a fighter and why he's difficult to beat. And now we see Francis mixing in the leg kicks, mixing in the head kick. We see Francis throwing with not the right, also throwing quick jabs with the left. We see Francis being able to, to read takedowns and to, um, and to stuff takedowns and turn it into offense. He didn't just stuff it. He stuffed it, landed on top, took the back, probably could have done more damage if he would have stayed down there, but landed some nice shots as Stipe was getting up. So we saw with Francis that maybe we didn't see the three, four, five round war. And, you know, that's going to answer the, 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 the gas tank stuff. But we saw someone who, who's very skilled, very, very technical, much more technical than we've seen in the past. And as you mentioned, are we ever going to see a four or five round war with, with, uh, with Francis? I mean, no. We're going to see a guy who's understanding how to be patient. He's understanding how to conserve his energy. He can stand there in front of someone because no one's going to push him because if they do, they're going to get clipped. So that's the type of um, difficulty that you face. You have a guy that you know could probably gas, but at the same time, you can't really push him to gas because if you do, you're going to probably get knocked out You know, on that on that journey. So when you're talking about Francis and the guys he's going to face that, you know, the Derek Lewis, Volkov, um, possible John Jones, these type of gone, uh, gone, these type of guys, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them because if they're going to try to push the pace, he's going to get Rosenstruck. He's going to get knocked out in, in a couple seconds. And if not, then Francis is going to walk you down. He's going to wear you down. The leg kicks are nasty. I mean, those that was uh, two. It was two leg kicks to Stipe, and his front leg was done. He, you saw, and you saw the the head kick. Anyone else but Stipe with his iron chin. I mean, he may go out on that one too. So we saw a very well-rounded um, fighter in there, the new heavyweight champion, well-deserved. I don't want to, you know, just skip over Stipe. He, he's had a historic career. He's the best, you know, heavyweight champion in the UFC we've ever had. The amount of title defenses that, you know, the guys that he's done it against, he holds so many records, um, you know, as the heavyweight champion. But Francis was someone that looks the part. It's someone that, feels like he's the heavyweight champion when you say those type of words. Um, Stipe doesn't seem like he's done. I think he's going to hang around. He's 
still so talented and technical. We could see them meet, you know, down the road, but, but who knows? I mean, if, if, if you go to a mall and you see Stipe walking around, you will never think he's the baddest man on the planet. <laughs> but if you see Francis walking around the mall, you're like, holy shit, that dude looks like he's the baddest man on the planet. And no disrespect to Stipe, you know, uh, you know looks and appearances don't mean shit. But what I'm saying is that Francis has the it factor, man. He's going to bring a lot of people. He's going to bring a lot of money uh, to the UFC. And that's great to see. But like we touched on the first inning, you said – I want to see where Conor McGregor is going to train. Francis lost to Stipe, and he switched to a different camp. And he got so much better at this new camp that four fights in a row, he was sleeping dudes, and he was looking great. Now, we didn't get to see a takedown defense. We didn't get to see any of that because he didn't get to that point. But now that we saw his takedown defense, his slack kicks, his head kick, the new team made a huge difference in his arsenal. I mean, this guy is a completely new fighter, like you said. He's scary. He's well-polished. He's well-rounded. And he's going to be a nightmare for a lot of people coming there, man. He worked on his wrestling with Usman. He worked on his striking with his new coach. The guy looks like the perfect fighter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what Conor McGregor needs to do. Look for that team that can teach him new things and make him a better fighter, just like Francis did. Yeah, you almost heard Woodley mention that a little bit. Uh, Woodley lost uh, two cards ago, but he said the new team I was with, the new camp I was with, I let them control everything. You know, he took his ego out of it. He said, I let them control everything, and I, and I wanted to, to bring that guy out of me. And to his credit, he looked good. I mean, that was the fight of the night. It was a one-round fight. You don't, you, don't, you don't see those very often. But Usman, being a part of Francis's team, at least for this fight, was so crucial in the game planning and IQ uh, portion that I think goes unnoticed. I think when you have a UFC champion at 170, a guy who's fighting, you know, at the top of his game and it just looks unbeatable when he can help you game plan. I mean, brother, I mean, this guy has everything now. He's got a, he's got a team behind him that knows how, did you see the side by side? If you're listening to this podcast right now, go look at the 263 pound man that fought Steve Amiochik the first time, and this 263 pound man—they're different dudes. Lean. They're different dudes, lean and mean. But 263—you don't get that without, like you said, a training the way you, the way you train because of your camp and just everything together. When Usman said, "You know, take it easy, conserve your energy," he listens to that because that's a UFC champion saying that. It's not some random dude that holds his pads. So I like the way I like what we saw to Francis. I like the way he's going. And um, as much as I love Stipe uh, personally, he was on the podcast very early on. He's a great guy. This is what the UFC needed. 100%. And that, that reminds me right there what you said. It reminds me of my dad. You know, when Beltran got here to a team 17, he told me something about hitting and I tried to apply in the game and I hit a home run and I got back home. I told my dad, bro, Beltran told me this and I tried in the game. I hit a bomb. He's like, I've been telling you this for two years already, but because I didn't play in the big leagues for 20 years, you didn't want to listen to me. And then this guy that has 20 years of service, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. You listen to him, right? So it's the same thing. When you have Usman in the corner, who's a champion already, who's been through wars, who battled against Gilbert Burns after getting put down in the first round and had the perfect game plan with that jab to finish him, you got to listen to a guy like that. You're not listening to a random coach that's never been punched on the mouth. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys, a number three coming up. We're going to be talking about a possible opponent for Francis Ngannou coming up right now. Welcome into a number three, and we're going to call this the John Jones saga because that is what this has become. I'm sure you guys know at this point, the UFC, the world, 
the fans, everyone in between knows in their mind, what is the right fight for Francis Ngannou? The right fight is John Jones. But the problem is, is there is a big gap apparently in what the UFC is willing to pay John Jones to fight Francis Ngannou and also what Francis Ngannou wants. So I'm going to break it down a little bit right here if you guys haven't been following along. John Jones vacated his belt, his light heavyweight belt, a few months back, basically claiming he wanted more money. The Mm -hmm. UFC said, we're not going to give you any more money. He said, fine, I vacated my belt. I'm going to get ready to go up to heavyweight. This is when the whole uh, Habib, Habib conversation of the GOAT was going on. John wants to go up. He wants to prove himself, right? All along, though, John has been saying, I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting a new contract. No one's telling me anything. And boom, sure enough, Francis Ngannou wins the heavyweight title. The picture is set. The matchup is set. And this is what John Jones had to say on Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this because it's very long. Basically, everyone is claiming John Jones is scared to fight Francis Ngannou. I think that is completely not true. My man just wants to get paid for the risk he's taking. And basically, he said the UFC is around 8 to $10 million. He said, nowhere near that am I going to fight Francis Ngannou. So now you got Derek Lewis as the number two saying, I'll take $8 million. Ngannou turns down Derek Lewis because he wants John Jones. So we're in this little bit of a love triangle between Francis Ngannou, John Jones, and the UFC. What do you think is going to happen? And what do you think would get John Jones in that cage? Well, I read, I read that, that you know they're working on the on the Lewis fight, but the John Jones fight is what we all want. You know, I mean, we we want that fight, and I get it. You know, John Jones was all the all the money in the world. He's he's the, a lot of people's goat, and he will be putting that on the line against a guy like Francis Ngannou. He better get paid for it. You know, it's a high risk. He's the first fight at heavyweight. It's a guy that cut to two hundred five. He was fighting dudes at two hundred five. He's getting hit by light heavyweights. It's not the same when you go 60 pounds up in weight to fight a monster like Francis Ngannou. There's a lot of risk. And you can say everything you want to say, oh, John Jones has never been, you know, KO, and he's got a great chin, and he doesn't get touched much. You saw John Jones get touched against Dominic Reyes. You saw John Jones oh, yeah. get touched against Diego Santos. You saw Alexander Gustafson touch John Jones a lot of times during that war that they had that's now in the Hall of Fame. So don't think that Francis is not going to touch John Jones. He is going to touch John Jones. And when that happens, it might be a different type of power, a different type of torque that John Jones has never felt before. So if you're going to take that risk, you better get paid for it. Now, on the other hand, the UFC, they probably feel like they don't need John Jones to sell pay-per-views. I mean, you put the John Jones fight, you probably sell, what, 1 million pay-per-views, 1.5 pay-per-view buys. If you do a fight with Francis and Derek Lewis, you're still going to sell some pay-per-views. And then you put a great co-main in there, you know, you put on Amanda Nunez or you put somebody in there that can actually sell some pay-per-views, you're still going to do great. So they feel like they don't need to pay John Jones that much money when you can go out there and pay Derek Lewis $500,000 and still sell somewhere near that same pay-per-view amount. Here, here's my only thing. Um, I, and I have to agree with John here. And, and, and this was the tweet that, um, that really got me. He said, I believe I was grossly underpaid throughout my entire 20s. And he references saying he got about $2 million per fight after everything was said and done throughout his 20s. And he says, I'm not even here bitching about that. I just want to see my future done right. We praise people all the time when it comes to making the money, right? We just praised, um, we just sat here and praised us in Poirier. And we said, 
Oh man, what a smart decision. You know, go get that money. Well, we talk about Conor McGregor and, you know, when Cowboy goes and fights Conor or whatever, whoever, whoever the case is, when, when they go and fight these guys because they want money. But now it's like John Jones wants money and everyone's like, you're scared. So I, I like no, what I John know. Jones is saying about. I, I feel like I was undervalued and underpaid in my 20s. And I'm not here to complain about that. That's done. I'm, I'm over. That, that's done with. All I want to see is my future done right. And, 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 I, and, and I like that perspective because this man is the GOAT of the sport. And he's the debatable GOAT. But it's between, it's between him and, it's between him and, 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 and uh, Habib. And Habib is no longer in the sport. So currently, as it stands active fighters, John Jones is the greatest fighter that we have current. And if you're going to have this man and the buildup that we've had with John Jones going up to heavyweight and all of the Instagram stuff and all of the, the weight gaining and you got Francis and he finally wins that belt and you're going to be saying this is the baddest dude on the planet, you got to have these dudes match up. And the UFC has the money. The UFC has the money. The pay-per-view is going to sell plenty of money to give this guy his cut. You got guys in boxing getting 30, 35, 40, 50 million dollars to show up. Um, and they're not even doing the pay-per-view buys that, that John Jones and Francis would do. So I'm firmly on the John Jones side here. I think this man has paid his dues. And I don't want to hear nothing about the baddest man on the planet when you can't even line up the fight to find out who the baddest man on the planet is. And I don't think that Derek Lewis fight does anything. I think the heavyweight division needs this fight. I think it kicks off Francis Ngannou's real reign as the heavyweight champion, as the baddest man on the earth in the right way. He had to take down Stipe first, but boom, you get the re- you get the goat next. I don't think John Jones maybe pulls it off. As you said, he, he's been getting touched recently, and I think he gets touched that much against against Francis. It's going to be a problem, but he ain't taking him down. I think it's the I think it's the one we need to see. I, I got. I, I agree with you 100. percent Everything you said. I'm a John Jones side. Um, also, of course, you know, being an athlete and uh, athletes that start to get paid because they're the ones bringing in the money. Um, I was just bringing the perspective from both sides. You know, For what sure. the UFC might be thinking, and John Jones uh, obviously deserves all the money. With that being said, I hope this fight happens. I don't personally. I don't think it will ever happen, but I hope it happens because the MMA community needs this fight. You know, John Jones. He beats Francis Ngannou. He'll be the consensus goat. I mean, nobody can argue that. Now, if he loses to Ngannou, he'll still be people's goat, you know, because he's taking a huge, huge risk. And you got to take that into consideration. Habib didn't take that risk. GSP didn't take that risk. Yeah, he came back to fight Michael Bisping a couple years later at 185. But, you know, at the time we knew Michael Bisping wasn't the baddest, baddest man on the planet at at that weight class. So, you know, John Jones will still be better if he can beat um, – his track record will be better if he can beat um, uh, Francis. But, man, if this fight happens, we got to go for sure. Oh, we're going to be there. This fight's going to be there. The fight's – We're going. Yeah. Bro, I don't know. Uh, Francis turned down that, that Derek fight. They, they basically shifted, shifted gears, and they turned to Derek and tried to make a fight, I think it was maybe for July. And Francis said, no, it was too early. I don't think that was too early. I think that was that was a move by Francis saying, you know, I'm not going to take this fight right off the rip. I want to go. I want I want John Jones and, and I want you guys to try to get it done. I, I think Francis is understands, you know, what 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 he 
what he would be perceived as if, if he can get this fight. I'm sure Francis believes that he's going to knock John Jones out. I'm sure John Jones believes that he's going to somehow find a way to be Francis. But, um, you know, I think if he's been making 2 million bucks his whole career, I think just to show 10 million to show is a good number. And I think, you know, if he can get some, you know, solid pay-per-view cuts and he can be up in that, that 20 to 25 to 30 range, I, I think it can get done. I'm not sure what the eight to 10 Damn. meant. I don't, I don't know what that 8 to 10 means. Maybe that means total package. I think he's looking for 10 to show. He wants to show up to that octagon and get paid 10. And the UFC ain't going to do that because Khabib got five and Connor gets three. So that's not doing that at all. I think what you said about um, this fight will never happen, I think it's trending that way. But, man, that's going to be a shame. That's going to be a shame because it's the fight that we deserve. Uncle Dana, make it happen. Pay the man, baby. All right, all right. Here we go. E number four coming up. All right, guys, the number four, we got Jorge Masvidal sounding off. Jorge Masvidal went on ESPN with Errol Hebwani. had a lot to say. Where do you want to start, Los? You want to start with um, you want to start with Colby? You want to start with Nate? Or you want to start with Usman? You let me know, and I'll and I'll fire the quote off to you. Let's start with the champ, brother. Always, let's always start with the king of that okay. division. Here we go. Here is word for word what Jorge Masvidal had to say about Usman. He said, Kamar Usman is literally the same guy that I just fought. To me, as far as a skill set goes, he hasn't improved anything, and his will is still the same. If a guy folds and gives into his will, he'll ride that out. But if someone comes back and fights him and wrestles into him, he doesn't have it in him, and he, and he don't have the manliness in him, and it showed when we fought. Um, knee-jerk knee reaction. <laughs> <laughs> complete cap over there brother i mean everything he said is the total opposite it's what usman is brother i mean usman has shown that he's just getting better with every single fight that kobe fight i was at your house we were watching that fight we never thought that kamaru usman would be able to outstrike kobe covington the nope. way he did maybe not outstrike him but just finish him because the strikes were pretty similar you know they were close you can say outstruck him but he finished him he broke his jaw. And we never thought that Usman would be a better striker than Kobe. We look at Gilbert Burns. So we said, damn, if this fight is on the feet, Gilbert Burns is going to win. He might be the better striker. He goes out there, and it turns out that Gilbert Burns is the better guy on the mat, and Kamar Usman was the better fighter standing up. I mean, it was it, the guy has been getting better. I think this time he's going to go with the mentality of, I don't want a 50-43 Masvidal again. I don't want to do that. I want to go out there and finish this guy on the feet. So, yeah, he's going to wrestle. Yeah, he's going to change levels every now and then. But I think he's going to go out there and get the job done and finish this guy. Um, you know, if it's with ground and pound, great. If it's with a solid shot, great. But I think that's his mentality. He's not going to be happy with just a decision this time around. Yeah, Usman has showed me the most, I would say, of any UFC champion um, that has held the belt, he showed me the most improvement within his reign of holding that belt. And also, he showed me that he's willing to go as deep as he has to go. I didn't think he was going to beat Gilbert Burns. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. I, I didn't think Usman was going to beat Gilbert Burns. I thought, this is a better version of Colby. This is a much more highly skilled jiu-jitsu practicer than Colby. This With is a power. bigger 
physically, more physically gifted version than Colby. This is a guy with better striking and more power than Colby. And Colby took him to the depths of hell. He almost lost that fight. So I'm thinking here saying Gilbert Burns is going to be the new champion, new, new 170 yeah. champion. But sure enough, Usman shows up and shows us how much better that striking has gotten. He showed us that he's got a chin that he can fight back for when he, when you know. I, I think some people had the scorecards for Usman in that first round because of all the Three ground strikes. Usman. Oh, against Gilbert, yeah. Because of all the ground strikes. What I'm saying is though, Gilbert landed big, heavy shots earlier in that round, and and Usman came back from it, and then obviously got got the finish. So Usman has showed me a lot as a champion. I knew he was a good fighter. Uh, you know, but I know he was a great fighter. I mean, he's a great fighter and I don't know what Masvidal is taking from that first fight, but, um, Masvidal got off in the first round a little bit. Masvidal, Masvidal hit him with, with, with some good shots. I don't care if you've trained for one day or, or 10 weeks, your power is your power. And, and mm-hmm. Usman handled it pretty well when he was fresh. So maybe he's thinking rounds of that, if he can be fresh for rounds upon rounds, but we saw, we saw Masvidal start to breathe heavy against Diaz. When we were there in New York, we, uh, we, we, we were sitting three, close. Yeah. So Masvidal does have the best chance right now outside of Gilbert Burns inside that 170 division for a victory of a stoppage against Usman. That's what it's going to take at this point in his career. It's going to be a stoppage. He's too smart. He's too big. He knows how to fight. He knows how to win. So he's got the best chance in that, that, that aspect, but I, I don't see it happening this time. I got to say – you know, Masvidal with full camp, Masvidal five days notice. At the end of the day, it's gonna be the same Masvidal. You know, he's he's gonna go out there, try to strike, try to land one punch. He beat Darren Till. He beat Ben Askren. He beat Nate Diaz. He jumped right into superstardom. Those those three guys combine. You combine their skill sets, and they don't touch Usman. No. You combine Ben Askren's great wrestling resume you combine Nate as great cardio and great shin and great jiu-jitsu and you combine um darren till's power and, and skill set and and striking and those three combined can't be kamaru usman so i don't see how masvidal can hang in that octagon and find a way to beat usman i don't think one power is just gonna do it because if i'm looking at it usman is the same guy as Nate Diaz when it comes to a strong shin I mean, this guy has been getting hit with bumps his entire career, and he ain't going out. I mean, and this guy can strike with you. This guy's a better grappler. This, there's, I, I see no way. I, you know, I'll bet my house that Usman wins this fight once again. <laughs> nice. All right, moving on to Colby. We'll go Colby second. Uh, Masvidal had this to say about Colby Covington. He said, "I really want to hurt this guy in ways that I've never done. I wanted to make it. I want to make it seem like that Ben Askren fight was merciful compared to what I will do to Colby, guaranteed. And that fight will take place. But when I, the fuck, say so." He also went on to say uh, that he doesn't believe Colby is any type of pay-per-view draw and that this fight, if he fought Colby, wouldn't be for, for pay-per-view, wouldn't be for money. It would basically be for pride and said that um, both of them got kicked out of ATT because they had beef going on um, when they weren't inside of a camp uh, getting ready for a fight. And then Masvidal got let back in and Colby has stayed out. So knee-jerk reaction to those comments. I that fight needs to happen at some point. We were hoping that the uh, ultimate fighter was going to be Masvidal and Colby. That would have been must-watch TV. Now it's going to be Volkswagen and uh, Ortega. But we were hoping for that. Snooze we were hoping Masvidal, Masvidal, Colby Covington. That's what we were hoping for. It's not going to happen. 
I hope that fight happens at some point because these guys, they have history. They got what every MMA fan want to watch. They hate each other. They want to go out there and rip each other's faces off. And I, I think Kobe has a better skill set all around when you talk about all around. But I do think Masvidal has a chance to be Kobe. And I think it's going to be an interesting matchup to see, especially because of the history that they have. So, you know, I don't see Masvidal beating um, Usman, like I said. So Usman wants Kobe to fight somebody else. Maybe that somebody else is Jorge Masvidal mm. after he loses to Kamaru Usman. And that will make a perfect fight for Kobe to beat Masvidal and then fight Usman once again. Then there is no excuse. Yeah. Usman's going to have to fight him yeah. again. Honestly, this is what Kobe's been waiting for, in my opinion. Kobe has basically been sitting there saying, I have the best fight against the champ. I'm the one. That mm-hmm. took almost took that belt, although almost don't mean shit. But he's that hit to him. He's saying, "I'm the guy. I'm the number one contender, and I'm not going to fight nobody else. I'm only going to fight the champion." Mm-hmm. But I believe he would fight Jorge Masvidal. I believe if oh, Jorge yeah. Masvidal is coming off this fight against Usman in April and loses, he will take that fight versus Masvidal to springboard himself into um, into a title fight because Colby. I, I, I'm, not, I'm I'm plugged into one or two guys that, you, they, that train down there at ATT. They've told me Kobe would always get the better of Masvidal. That, 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 that Kobe's a bad dude, and we've seen it. I mean, Kobe's a bad man, brother. And you're talking about Usman. I mean, Kobe's got a similar skill set, a lesser version, a lesser version, but he's got the wrestling. He's got the cardio. He's got the striking. I mean, he's got IQ. He knows how to win. So everything without power. Everything without the power. But the the wrestling and the cardio could, could be the difference. And um, mm-hmm. this would be a pay per view fight. This would be a big time pay per view fight. And we're talking. I mean, we're talking seven fifty, eight hundred buys, which is a lot of buys in a pay per view war. I mean, this would be a, a cash cow for the UFC. And then you throw in the BMF belt in there. Oh, shit. Mm, the promoter, you just throw it in there and <laughs> put it on the table. You just <laughs> slide that one in. <laughs> yeah, this would be um, this would be a hell of a fight. And, and I think we will Out get this nowhere? fight. I think we will get it because it's it's inevitable at this point. It's it's like he's like Thanos. It, it, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. All right, on to what he said about uh, – a potential rematch with uh, Nate Diaz. He said, my camp was talking to his camp. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know what the exact logistics were. He didn't like the date. Maybe he thought about it even more. And he's like, you know what? This guy's going to destroy my face again. And maybe he wants to have some modeling career or something after, after fighting. I don't know. Um, if this is what happened, I can't blame Nate Diaz. I, I felt like we saw all we needed to see in that first fight. I don't want to see that fight again. Nate Diaz cannot beat um, Jorge Masvidal. Um, Masvidal can stuff takedowns. We saw that in the Usman fight. Diaz ain't going to have an easy time getting him to the mat. It's going to be a stand-up fest. And, and anyone with power, with real, you know, with, with, with real kind of striking power, is going to bust Nate up. He's, he's going to cut him open. And it's not going to be an awesome fight. Yeah, I, I would love to see that fight again because there's going to be a fireworks. And there's going to be blood and there's going to be violence everywhere. And, you know, it's not going to be boring. Like You can't bet on that fight. It's not going to be boring. But at the same time, we know what's going to happen. We know Masvidal is going to get the better of him once again. So I get what you're saying. You know, we don't need that fight. Masvidal won't it. clearly. But if it happens, we'll gladly go and sit there and watch it because it's going to be 
you know, what we dream of, a, a, oh, a yeah. bloodbath, a bloodbath, but no need for it right now. Yeah. Yeah. He also said that when he beats Usman, he's going to go after the rematch so he can go down in history 2 1 uh, versus Usman. So the fight, uh, Usman versus Masvidal, is this month. It is the 24th of April. UFC 261. It's going to be one to watch. Oh, yeah. 100%. We're going to be keeping our eye on that one for sure. Uh, we're breaking out this. We're breaking out some big time wine. 100 Acres is that night. 100 Acres, 100 point wine is that night. Need it. All right, guys. A number five coming up. Kevin Holland steps up last minute to take on Vittori. Our thoughts right at you. Welcome into A number five. And for a little while, it looked like the main card for this weekend's event was was in jeopardy. We thought we're not going to see Vittori. Uh, Darren Till pulled out with a broken collarbone. And sure enough, my boy, Kevin Holland, the loudmouth, steps on up. Takes a light take takes a takes a really good fight for him last minute gets a big time ranked opponent and um, I'm looking forward to big things for Kevin Holland this weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that fight, but not expecting big things from Kevin Holland. I mean, he just got beat up for five rounds against uh, Derek Bronson not long ago, and the blueprint is there. I don't think his his wrestling got that much better from two weeks ago when he fought, and he's gonna fight a guy in Marvin Vittori that can actually strike very well. And has has some wrestling on his on his back pocket. So, in any given case that Kevin Holland is winning a striking match, the wrestling is always open for him. You know, it's easy to take that guy down. Derek Brunson shows the blueprint, and Kevin Holland didn't really know how to get up from that. So, I don't think Kevin Holland got that much better in just two weeks that he that he fought. But I do think that in a striking match, I think Martin Vettori is going to get the better of Kevin Holland. I know Kevin Holland has been solid. But he's been fighting, let's just say, not the best competition at 185. Now, Marvin Vittori fought the Joker, who's a great grappler. He's not the best striker out there. But when I look back at the Marvin Vittori fight against Israel Adesanya, it was a close split decision. And he stood there, and he landed the left hand. He landed some check hooks. He landed some kicks against Easy, And that's really hard to do at 185 when Easy is the bigger fighter, when he's the taller, longer fighter. So when I look at that fight, I say, I don't think Kevin Holland cannot strike the guy that went to a split decision with Israel Adesanya, who's one of the best strikers we've ever seen in the UFC. But at the same time, Kevin Holland's always fun, so it's must-watch TV. Yeah. When I go back and watch that Vittori versus uh, Jack Hermanson fight, Hermanson had his moments. Hermanson had his moments throughout that fight where he was getting off, where he was landing. And, and Jack, I mean, the Joker, he, he's a good fighter, but, I mean, my man, my man can't really strike. You know, he, he's known for that for that ground game, and that's how he's worked his way up. So I'm Don't looking for – was short notice. Don't I, forget it was short notice fight for Vittori. Yeah, I know. But still, I think that Kevin Holland is going to step in. I think that this is going to be a uh, – it's going to be a striking bout. I think Kevin Holland is going to get going to get the better of him. I think Kevin Holland is going to be the the bigger, longer mm. uh, longer dude. And I think from, from, the, from the jump, if you see Vittori starting to shoot, if you see – that style of fighting out of a Tory because we because you know Brunson I w- we could have expected that that could have been a game plan for him you know to win that fight you see Vittori starting to shoot he's in trouble and, and Kevin Holland is, is is having his way with him so Kevin Holland's gonna bounce back um, he's gonna put up a a, a, 
a great performance in this fight. I'm predicting. I think he's embarrassed by last fight. I think he went back and he watched it and he said, "What? What the hell? What the hell is this? What was I doing? I, I, I wasted an opportunity here." And he's got another one. And I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna put his money where his mouth is uh, this time around. Damn, you don't believe on the Italian dream right now, but you will believe after Saturday, brother. <laughs> he'll knock him out. <laughs> he's, 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 gonna knock, he's gonna knock him out. Yeah, he did. He, 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 he couldn't even knock Jacker Manson out. All right, we'll see. Hey, Kevin Holland, Joker, baby. Joker, probably. Kevin Holland is gonna. Yeah, Kevin Holland's gonna show up. <laughs> Kevin Holland's gonna show out. Um, I, I think. I think we're in for a good one here. Also on this card, I don't want to forget, we have Nina versus Mackenzie Dern. We also have mm. Mike Perry coming back. We have the legend Miller um, on the prelims. So this is a nice little card here. I'm looking forward to Nina um, uh, versus Dern. I think it's going to be a really good fight. I think Nina is going to piece her up, brother. I mean, yeah, Nina this is going to test her. Fought, yeah, Nina hasn't fought in a while because obviously we know he was pregnant. Um, her and Amanda had just had a baby, so she was, you know, pregnant and she was not fighting but nina's a bad bad girl brother i mean she lost to tatiana suarez who i think who i think is the, the one that can actually go out there and give the champ a lot of trouble now tatiana's been out for a couple of years with her neck issues and she hasn't fought um and she's not gonna fight anytime soon but she's she's a real bad woman and nina went to war with her i think nina is well-rounded her jiu-jitsu is great even though Mackenzie Dern has the upper hand on that that one because she's world champion jiu-jitsu but i think when it comes to a striking department bro they're so far apart and nina training every single day with amanda nunez brother i think it's gonna be a tough night for mckenzie yeah mckenzie um i've had i've been a little head scratch lately with, with mckenzie uh, fighting you know she she is so dominant on the mat and it almost seems like she doesn't want to go there unless the fight really takes it really takes it there. She wants to stand and she wants to trade. It's almost like she's working on it so much. She's, she's convincing herself that she's this striker. Um, mm-hmm. She can survive on the feet, but um, she's not going to want to fight on the feet, uh, especially against Nina. And, and like you said, the, the jujitsu is close. I mean, you know, Mackenzie Dern, you know, she, she's the one, I mean, she is the, she's the one on the mat. But when you have someone like Nina, who's a legitimate jujitsu practicer as well, I mean, it tends to say this fight's going to be on the feet. So if you're asking me who's going to win a boxing match, I'm, I'm picking Nina. So Mackenzie's my girl. I really like her. I've been on her for a long time. Um, I followed, you know, even her, some of her jiu-jitsu stuff. So um, you can still be a fan and say she's going to lose, you know? You no, know, I'm riding with her. I'm riding with her. Come on now. I'm I'm riding with her. I think she's gonna be more cautious this go around with the with the um with the striking because the last couple she's gotten pieced up a little bit and kind of skated by. So I think she's gonna go back to her roots in this one. Okay. So you got Nina. I got. I mean, I, oh, got, I got Nina. Dern. You got Mackenzie. Yeah. I got Jack Herman. I mean, I got uh, Vittori, and you got your boy Kevin Holland. Absolutely, absolutely. I love this. I love this. All right, that's this Saturday, guys. It is free for everyone. Make sure you check it out. A number six, we're going to do a little around the globe coming at you right now. All right, guys, welcome to A number six, and we're going to start it off with our around the globe. We're basically we're just going to take a, a nice little look at the uh, fight game community. We're starting off with uh, Pitbull. Uh, Patricio Pitbull, go ahead and beat in on Emmanuel Sanchez this weekend. I mean, my man's a bad dude. Uh, he's a bad dude over there at Bellator, and he says that basically it's his dream. He put a million dollars up in cash to do a cross-promotion fight against Volkanovski. 
And he says that he believes this is the future of the fight game where we're, we're going to start seeing cross-platform um, promotion where, where guys put their best fighters up. And uh, he believes he'll win this fight. I mean, this guy's a bad man. He beat Michael Chandler. He he's basically done it all over there in Bellator, which we know um, the talent is 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 there now. Uh, how would you think that this guy's game would translate in a fight against Volkov? Volkanovski, excuse me. If you, I know how much you hate Volkanovski. Yeah. And if you want a guy that can actually beat Volkanovski yeah. on paper, he's talking Patricio Pitbull. Let's not forget. When you say he beat Michael Chandler, that doesn't do justice. Yeah, he, he slept he, yeah, he Michael slapped Chandler in 30 seconds. Michael Chandler is about to fight for a lightweight title. The biggest division in the UFC is the lightweight division, and he's going to fight for the title with just one fight in the UFC. This guy slept in 30 seconds. This guy is well-rounded. He trains at a great gym. He's got every single aspect that a well-rounded fighter should have, and he's elite at everything he does. So if you want a guy that can actually go out there besides Max Holloway and beat Volkanovski and maybe even put him to sleep, that's Patricio Pitbull. Now, I don't think that will ever happen unless Patricio finishes his deal with the with Bellator and then he can come and sign with the UFC just like Michael Chandler did. But that would be one hell of a fight, brother. Uh, I think I think Pitbull is getting paid so uh, getting paid nice over there. Apparently, apparently our boy Michael Chandler is uh, big into Bitcoin, and my man's worth like fifty M's, which is why he decided to uh, to <laughs> sign to sign the lesser of the contracts and come over to the UFC. Maybe because he wanted to get away from Pitbull, and he, maybe he saw an easier road over here at the UFC. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a very impressive uh, submission win. Um, uh, you know, against Sanchez, you know, and and he and he's the big dude over there at Bellator, man. He's he's a big dude. He's got extreme power. He he never gasses. He's well rounded on the feet. He's got amazing, um, you know, submission skills. So you're right. This could be a dude that would give Volkanovski a run for his money, but we'll never see it unless he does exactly what you said and he finishes that contract. And for the people listening to us right now, don't don't know much about Patricio. He's a featherweight. He slept Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler is a 155. That's a lightweight. Michael Chandler fighting at 10 pounds heavier. He went up and knocked him out in 30 seconds, and he's going to fight Volkanovski. So you know the guy has crazy power to be able to see Michael Chandler like that with just one punch to the back of the head. I'm a legal punch on the ear, but damn, that, that man is crisp with his striking. Yeah, it would be cool to see. It would be cool to school, uh, see. Speaking of Volkanovski, we mentioned earlier Volkanovski versus uh, Volkanovski and Ortega. Excuse me, will be the coaches for the Ultimate Fighter. If you were asking me, hey Lance, who do you not want to be the coaches for the Ultimate Fighter? These are the two guys I would have picked. <laughs> uh, the whole oh, roster. I gotta, say, I gotta say, I agree, brother. These are the two guys I never want to see. This, this is a, if, if you put all the champions on the list, the last one will be Volkanovski. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, not Volkanovski versus Max. Volkanovski versus Ortega. But even even Volkanovski versus Max, like there's no actual, no, there's no real beef right there. Like Max is just too nice. I want to see two guys that every time they cross paths on the UFC Apex Hall, they want to throw down. Max is not that guy. No, I mean this kind of really took the sales out of it for me, brother. I'm thinking. I'm thinking Usman Masvidal. I'm thinking Masvidal Colby. I'm even thinking freaking Conor Poirier. I'm thinking they're going to do something. They're going to get caught. They're going to break them off. I'm thinking John Jones versus Nganu. I mean, I'm thinking big time shit. Oh, yeah. Figure us who. You're young. Bro, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking to the moon. 
and we yeah. got we got the soil. <laughs> we got we got the grass, brother. We got we we got King Kong's um, planet underground. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is just. I mean, you're talking about a vanilla, a vanilla spoonful of ice cream. This is a vanilla spoonful of ice cream. I, not even a cone. No sprinkles on it. No nothing. This is a disappointment. Uh, it is, brother. It is. But we'll still watch. Yeah, I'm still going to watch. <laughs> but on to some good news. Um, Dominic Reyes' uh, date to get slept versus Yuri Provashka has been set May 1st. Looking forward to seeing that. Um, Sanhagen versus Dillashaw is going to round that off, follow up the week later on the 8th which is going to be a heck of a fight. And um, Rob Font versus Cody Nochin is a go as well. Um, we, we, we got some big fights coming up that were announced. Uh, I'm excited, bro. I got to tell you that Rob Font fight. It's very exciting. Watching TJ come, come back against the bat, man. Like Corey Sanhagen, you cannot draw it any better. There's some great fights coming up, bro. UFC 262. We're going to be here in Houston. The fights are here in Houston. You know, it's, it's, it's an exciting um, couple of months coming up for the UFC. Yeah, so exciting stuff, exciting stuff. And this is more of a, um, I don't know, statement than anything. Um, three African-born champions, Usman, Israel Adesanya, and, uh, of course, Francis Ngannou. Cannot say enough what that does for the sport, what that does for a um, – for a continent of people who uh, sometimes, most of the time, especially where, you know, Nganu escaped from, um, just just ha- ha- have a tough deal, ha- ha- have, a, have a raw go at it. So to be able to see these, uh, you know, see these guys um, gotten, ha- have achieved what they have achieved and, and, and where they come from is very cool, very inspiring. It's going gonna, it's gonna to send a, uh, a shockwave very similar to the Habib type shockwave that we've seen now every single guy with a v is a bad man i mean you're going to get that type of that type of type of shockwave in generations to come from um from what these guys are doing right now i absolutely agree bro these guys are inspiring so many people you know they're teaching the world that it doesn't matter where you come from doesn't matter how hard the path is to get to that ufc you know keep keep fighting keep working keep putting in the time Eventually, things are going to happen. I mean, Francis Ngannou is a guy that was in Yale multiple times trying to cross borders. And this guy's a UFC heavyweight king, the baddest man on the planet. And he never gave up, brother. So he's inspiring. A lot of people are going through tough times right now with big dreams to be UFC champions or, you know, whatever they want to become. So this is truly inspiring, not only in the combat sports world, but just the entire world all around. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys, closing segment coming up right now. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us today. We're sorry we missed last week, but the boys were on the road. We'll be coming at you pretty much every week from here on out. We have some amazing fights this weekend. We have amazing fights lined up. So, guys, make sure you guys are tuning in, catching the podcast. You know, we love doing it, and uh, we cannot wait to see what April, May, June, and, of course, July, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier rounding it out um, into the summer looks like. Bro, another sad day in the walkout podcast. Another legend went down today. We just watched Mighty Mouse get knocked out oh, yeah. for the first time in his career by uh, a knee when he was down. But but in one championship, it's legal. So, you know, he got dropped by that knee. Then Eddie Alvarez lost by DQ because yeah. of shots to the back of the head, which never happens. Yeah. Like, what? 
But another sad day. We we've seen Frankie Edgar, we've seen Overeem, and now we've seen Mighty Mouse three legs. And I mean Stepe, Stepe too. Stepe, yeah, boy, yeah. So basically, you know, moral of the story is enjoy the legends while you got them. Enjoy the legends while you got them because amen. All the ones that 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 we grew up with, know and love, are basically they're all gone. Yeah, amen. You're preaching, brother. All right, guys. Thanks, like I said, thank you for kicking up with us tonight. We'll see you guys next week, and uh, God bless. Serious XM Podcasts.